is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Kiki Palmer, welcome to Call Her Daddy. We just started just like this. I yeah. love it. I yes. love it. I love this. What's up? Guys, we're so cozy right now. This is literally the best vibe ever. And I'm like not just gassing her because I'm here with her. I'm letting you guys know. I'm so happy right now. <gasps> the chairs are comfy. We got Kiki her tea. Mm-hmm. We're like kind Hooked of zen today. We are. And I just, what I love about it so much is just that it's not what is expected. Like I imagined we, we were going to really- be like at a, a round table for some reason. Like I don't know what I thought. No. But this is what I needed. Yeah, this is not red table talk. This is like good vibes, <laughs> chill. Thank God. Yeah, you're Oof. like, cool. You're like I wasn't ready for that. Talk today. about intensity. <laughs> yeah, no, we're like in our cozy big chairs. We're going to have a great conversation. So Kiki walks in my house and I was like listen I don't want you to get like freaked out but I'm a big fan okay for multiple reasons okay (laughs) Akilah and the Bee jump in come on jump in Uh, uh, like iconic movies growing up oh my god so it's like a cool moment like be in a room with you that's literally so cool thank you so much but (laughs) but the best thing I think that like really did it for me was your song bottoms up (laughs) it's still a banger i listened to it before you got here i always hear that it was very much so like a a a getting it round up song like (laughs) i remember the the this lacrosse guys lacrosse team was like yo we used to get pumped up in the locker rooms to bottoms up like the stories that i have bottoms up like continue to amaze me each and every day it's such a good hype up song and you're re-releasing the song. <laughs> yes, I'm doing the whole re-release gag. She's giving everyone what we need, which is a re-release. Okay, so my question is, how did that come about? Like, how did you decide? Well, you know, it's so crazy because Bottoms Up Life continued to grow. And it was it was probably like the biggest song on that, you know, my first album, So Uncool. But the label didn't really like feel it. They didn't really love it. They weren't really necessarily into the rapping. They, they felt like it wasn't all the way age appropriate. Like they had all these things that they felt they really couldn't market it, but I'm like, the kids was getting it. So after all these years, I think I was kind of just like, well, I'm older now. Like, what would I, what kind of video would I give? Like if I were to do bottoms up again, it's like, I, you know, have my own label. I do my own thing now. Like I'm very independent. I'm solely independent. So I was like, you know, why not just re-record it, you know, do it again and do a video and kind of like give this bottoms 2.0 type vibe and do it as an, as an adult. Did you change anything about the song? No, everything was literally the same. Like, I mean, I changed the part where I was like only 13, because I'm not 13. Right. Wait, what did you, what are you saying? Like you're so knowing. I say, um, wrote this at 13. Now your girl's a vet. Because she's a vet now. This episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. Turn up summer with sparkling ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor, sparkling ice, anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Curology. If you have particular skincare challenges, it can be really frustrating to waste time and money on products that just are absolutely not formulated for you. That is why I'm so excited to recommend Curology. 
I have personally struggled with acne my whole life. And I'll look at someone on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and be like, should I buy those products? No, I do not have the same skin as them. So I should not be treating it the same. Curology's personalized prescriptions are formulated to treat your individual skin needs from acne to the earliest signs of aging. All you have to do is go online take a quick quiz, and you will be connected to a licensed dermatology provider that will create a custom formula based on your skincare needs. If you're ready to start your skincare journey and start seeing results, here is a special offer just for you. Visit Curology.com slash call her daddy for a special offer. That's Curology, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash call her daddy. Offer applies only to your first box, subject to consultation, new subscribers only, subscription required. This episode is brought to you by eBay. You know real when you get it, right, daddy gang? It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guaranteed, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. So ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Tap the banner to learn more. How is the young Kiki that originally wrote this song mm. different from the woman who is releasing it today? That's such a great question. I'm a lot the same, but I'm also different, I think, in ways of just like, when I think about the whole music experience and my recording that song experience and just my life at that time, there was so much weighing on me in terms of like, who everybody wanted me to be. But now at 28, I think I'm much more confident in, in believing that whatever I feel is right is right. I'm not struggling with trying to prove so much to the people around me. I'm kind of like, either you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. That's a great way that I feel like I've changed because that would have just driven me crazy to keep living like that. The evolution of your career is incredible because you started so young. You grew up in Chicago. Yep, yep, yep. Did you always want to move to L.A. and like be in L.A. and Hollywood? You know, I didn't ever I never knew that L.A. represented that. Like I didn't know, you know, being from a small town like I'm from, you know, where it's cornfields, farmlands, you know, I only knew art. I knew performing, like singing. I knew acting because I heard about it from my parents. But my parents were theater people. So, you know, they, theater, you think New York, if anything. I never heard the idea of like Hollywood, you know, or, you know, that's where stars are made. I just kind of thought to myself, I want to be in entertainment. I want to sing. And then eventually when I found acting, I was like, I really want to act. And then from there, you know, my desire to act and to perform on film and television was how we found our way to, oh, the place to be is California and pilot season happens here. And Do you remember your first acting job? Yeah, my first acting job was a barbershop too. I played Queen Latifah's niece. I had like four lines. Um, Wait, that's like a pretty huge role though. Like to like the fact, usually people are like, I did this commercial. You're like, that so casually, that's like your first role, what? Yes, I, I've heard this before and I'm like, thank goodness. Because I mean, I, 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 it's so funny. My mom used to say when I was younger, or I think she started saying it like, after I had started getting work, because it would have scared me maybe if she had said it in the beginning. But she was like, you know, people wait all their lives to get one line. And I'm like, oh, hell. No, I got four. Thank, I'm Thanks like, thank God. Like, thank God I wouldn't wait in my whole life. for You know, but obviously it's a process, you totally. know. And, and um, But yeah, that was the first role I did. Four lines and yeah. 
Okay. So you obviously have siblings. You have your family. You guys eventually all move out to LA because your career is starting to take off. What was the conversation? Do you remember like with your family about that move? Cause it's like a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, I think it was like, man, that's so interesting. I'm like, what did we all sit around and like kind of discuss? I think we did, but I was a kid. So like how much of it I remember, I don't know, but it was kind of as if the way the framework that I would put it in is like what you would do for an athlete. If your child would love soccer or basketball or whatever the sport would be, it's like the family kind of just all gathers around. It's like this, they got this going and we got to support them. You know, this is their hobby. This is their skill and it's rolling and we got to support them. And everything with us was very like, support family it was always we're doing this together this is for you know her success is our success you know our success is each other's success and so I think that was just the kind of identity that we had going out there was you know what we're doing this as a family she's loving this we all love entertainment and arts and this is an opportunity for us to go to California see something new and different and who knows kind of vibe you're right it is kind of like everyone's success if like if you're succeeding but I also know like that's a lot of pressure. And especially if like your whole family, also you have an older sister, right? I do. I do too. And I'm sorry, but what's the age difference? We are four years apart. Mine's too. And if my fucking older sister, my family was like, we're up and moving. I would be like, I hate you. Like, yeah, but that's exactly how she was. Okay. No, yeah, for sure. Like, like the consensus going there was positive, but like all the emotions in the midst and the aftermath were not like totally sound. When you're that young, you can't help but be like, Oh, like you look at your sibling and you're like, you're still a young kid. You don't, they don't see you as like successful or famous. Yeah, they don't even care about it. Like let us also shine and let us have our time. So I can imagine that like, that's like a big move for a family. Yeah. So you all move. How did that move and like that success affect and change your family? A lot. Like, I mean, we went through so many different phases. It went through the phases of... You know, how do we deal with the fact that I'm making so much money? You know what I mean? Or how do we deal with the fact that, yeah, the other siblings don't feel like they're getting enough uh, attention? Or my parents had to do a lot of switching off for that reason. Because after a while, it would kind of feel like mom's not around enough because she's always with Kiki. And so then they started really implementing that this movie my dad goes with me. That project my mom goes with me, which I think was helpful. You know, and then the whole fame thing. You know, me being popular when we going out. Oh, that really became a thing. Like, you know... I know everybody thinks the famous thing is cool and I think it has some cool perks, but it really is also like very traumatizing in a lot of ways. And I think it really traumatized my family for a good long period of just having to deal with how people treat them to get to me. You know, the kind of the the thing of like, oh, this person was only my friend because they wanted to get to you. I think that causes like feelings of resentment or just frustrations. And so we had to work through a lot of that stuff. It was just a lot. I don't think anybody is prepared for that. There's no like guideline or handbook someone hands you like this is exactly how you do it. So this your life is going to change at this stage. Bingo. And then I can imagine. Oh my gosh, I think I'm right? about to write that book. Right, you should. <laughs> By the when you when when it all happens, this is how it goes. Guys, girl, wait, you done gave me a new book. Do you know what I mean? Hell like, write this straight down. up, write it down because I've always girl. thought about it. I'm like, don't come for my money. Though, I won't. With I the won't. Book. You, you can have it. You heard it here, Kiki Palmer. You have all the rights to that idea because you've lived it. Think about how, like, how are the parents supposed to act? Like, even hearing you talk about that with your your mom and your dad, it's like at the end of the day you are one of your siblings. And so like, yeah, to the world, you're like Kiki at the time, famous and successful and everyone's like obsessed with you. But like, what about your sister? And like, what about your younger siblings? And so everyone has a different way that they're affected by it. Oh my gosh, yeah. And no one can relate. You know, the thing that I envied the most 
in that situation was they all had each other to relate to. And I had no one to relate to my experience. Right. So it really made me feel so isolated in my family after a while because it's like all y'all together get it and feel the same way about how all this is affecting you. But who can identify with my experience? If somebody thinks you are successful or they think that you have the things that they wish that they had, they immediately think that means that you're exempt from any human feelings. And it's like, to me, it's, I wish, you know, I wrote a book before where I talked about this where it's like I hope I can show people that no matter even if you have all the superficial things that people think that you should have you are not still going to just be happy I'm I've you know I've had to deal with depression all type of things all my life and it's like if I'm somebody that you look at and you think has it all let me tell you right now I still don't have it all you know, it's, it's just, it's not how life works. Hearing you talk about 13 year old, you for like 12, thir- like very young age to be like experiencing this type of fame. I mean, how old were you when you actually like popped off? Like, yeah, popped off for like 13. 13. I mean, if we're talking about popped off, popped off, 15, 15. True Jackson VP. Okay, 15, I had braces. <laughs> I was on Accutane. I was Girl, awkward. I did Accutane I, too. The shit came I, back. I did it literally like. Yo, yours is perfect though yeah, still. You're catching me on a day where like, yes, I'm happy about it. Feels <laughs> she's right like, now. she's smiling by the way, guys. Kiki, she's like, I know, Kiki, I know. Three plus rounds. Yeah, you did three, three. rounds. Pro- probably something's wrong with my inside <laughs> by now. <laughs> like, but that shit. But that like, skin is. Dude, thank you. But it, it's like you know when I you, get it, babe. I when, get it. When you're breaking out, when someone says like, "Oh, you have a nice skin day," like it's almost like you don't feel it yourself because you're. I'm Ooh, waiting for the haunted by the pimples. Now that's also let me write that down yeah. for a book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's a thing, right? You know, waiting. I hate how that happens as a human being. Once things are habitually terrible, even when they're good, you can't even be happy about it because you're waiting for the terrible to pop back in. I'm just like waiting, like I can feel something coming. Like (laughs) just don't. And like I and I still see like the scars and like Uh, like, I relate, babe. I relate. But um, (laughs) what I was saying is like at 15 it's not normal to have that many people looking at you. And then I also heard you what you said. And that was my next question was you're making a shit ton of money at that age, which Mm. again is not really a normal thing for a 14, 15 year old to be doing. Mm -hmm. How did being the breadwinner of the family affect young Kiki? Ooh, I think it did both ways. Like, Cause there was one time where I was like, I'm making all the money and I gave a little attitude, but that was like, I, I can literally tell you that was like, if not one time, a handful of times, because I mean, I grew up in a black household in a very strict household. Cause so they just popped my ass back. So I didn't really <laughs> go too crazy with the whole, ah, but I will say more than anything, it made me feel like I had to be so in my place all the time. They do this to child actors all the time where it's like, don't be like this person. And I forget there was like a child actor that like, it was a popular line that ended up in, or I think he admitted or he said it where his mom was like, go to your room. And he said, they're all my rooms. It's like, that's the thing that haunts like every child actor is like, don't be the asshole. Don't be the asshole on set. Don't be the bad, like don't, don't make everybody else feel bad that you're making more than them kind of vibe. So it ends up making you just feel like you gotta be a people pleaser all the time. And like, you don't have any moments to like really, you know, step into your own dignity because everybody is always feeling so insecure about you making so much money. And it's like, damn, like, what do I do? Like, I I can't really know what to do with that. It makes for some great therapy sessions. I can only (laughs) imagine. It's a crazy, crazy world. It is. It's hard. And then it's like, everybody want to judge your parents. So then it's like, you now got to defend your parents to everybody else. You know, it's just such a, as much as I love 
the fact that I started so early, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so happy that I that I was able to start my career at age of nine and, and was able to experience the success I've experienced and the fun, great memories that I've had. You know, it's really something that I think people really got to be prepared for and really got to try to, you know, do as much research and things as, as, they, as they can because it's not fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a it's not an easy ride. I can already feel it. Like you're not saying at all you're not grateful for everything you have. Right. But I'm I so do grateful. think that sometimes like it's helpful to peel that lens back because I think social media, especially recently, like everyone wants to become internet sensation famous. Yeah. And then it's like you're looking at the kids that become it and like they look pretty fucking miserable. Yeah. And so like we're all human beings. We're all going to go through the same emotions of sadness, you know, stress. And, and, no, like, and no one really wants fame. Everybody just wants to be seen. Yeah. But they think that that's what fame's going to do them. But fame actually doesn't. It's, you're not seen. Right. You're actually more, more unseen because you're famous based off of perception that other people have for you. So, you know, and then, and then it's the whole thing of, oh, you know, well, you asked for this, right? Well, we have so many different categories of performers. All I asked for was to be on a damn stage, yeah. cry a little bit on cue, laugh on cue, make somebody else laugh. Like, that's really what draws me into it. And so I feel like, just like most people, except for people that genuinely do want fame, they're drawn to what they do for different reasons. They want to express, right. they want to emote, they want to get their feelings out. They want to, you know, make someone feel a certain way. They want to give in some way. I think there's also that aspect of being a performer is you're giving constantly. Yeah. Want to be famous and they finally get in there and they look miserable is because oh shit I'm even more unseen than I was before what do you think the reaction from your family would have been if you had announced that you needed to take like a year or two off from acting when you were like 15 16 oh my gosh that used to haunt me girl I used to I I, this is gonna sound really dark but it's fine okay because I, I I am owning my humanity and I think it's important for people to hear because as a kid I used to be like I wish a car just hit me right now just so I could you know, not feel the guilt of wanting a day off. Like I would literally want stuff like that to happen. Like, let me just break my leg. Like, wouldn't it be great if I, I know that sounds so terrible, but that is literally how horrified I was and how guilty I would feel to take a break at that age. And that's something that still haunts me to this day. Like where it would be like, I would feel like the only way that I could take a break would be like a tragic thing happening. Why do you think you felt that? I think it was just a lot to process, like being a child entertainer and knowing that my family uprooted their entire lives for me to do something. And, you know, if I stopped, like, I, I think I think it's also like maybe un, an unrealistic level of responsibility, thinking that I that it was like, oh, my family's just going to fall apart without me. Like, I think I also was like that was a little bit I don't know what you would call that. Like, but I think that was a little bit maybe egoish. Yeah, like egotistical in a lighthearted, like a light way where I kind of felt like they're not going to survive without me on top of just feeling like I'm going to let everybody down. You know, well, it was a bunch of things mixed up. You probably also <laughs> felt that way again because you're so young and like you're being probably made to feel that way. It's like Kiki's got to work. <laughs> Kiki's going to work like Kiki's doing this. And it's like, although they're not like forcing you to do it but like it almost becomes routine and I think like a lot of people can relate in any aspect of a life when like a routine gets formed in a family of like someone does this another person does this like like if I don't do my part oh shit what all happens what all happens yeah and then it was oh my gosh I was thinking something that I was gonna say but oh it's also like what you were saying like uh before about something else where it's like I do love performing I do love performing so 
how do I explain and how do I tell you or how do I get it across that I just don't want to do it all the time. Like, it was hard for me to believe that the two could exist. Yeah. That I could turn down an opportunity or not want to do something and still love it the way that I do. Did anyone ever ask you, like, hey, Kiki, do you want to take a break? <laughs> yeah. But it was always like, okay, if you want to take a break, then it's like we got to call the folks and let them know that I guess you don't want that opportunity and everything they designed. Hopefully they didn't go through with it already. And then, so, I'm, and so I just was like, fuck it. Like, I'll fucking do it if it'll yeah. shut y'all asses yep. up. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I felt sense. really old. You know, like a very old, old lady. Like, you know what? Just do it. Just book me in there. Yeah. Fine. Here we go. I'll shut up. I'll literally, show up. Literally. What was the most difficult aspect of being a child star damn it all of it uh the <laughs> most difficult i think being so feeling so alone mm -hmm. i felt so alone i'm telling you like it was it's such a loneliness i would not wish on my worst enemy you know there's no way out of this you know i just it was just really a sense of like hopelessness as it pertains to human connection and interaction and that's something that I thrive on that's what made me love performing and now I can barely connect to people and people can barely connect to me oh no what's I can never go back you can never go back once you're famous you can never go back Justin Bieber doesn't have to do a song another day in his life it's still gonna be like oh that's Justin Bieber not doing a song a day in his life like it's gonna right. always be it's gonna always be Kiki Palmer did that Kiki Palmer's not doing that Kiki Palmer's you know it's that realizing that you can like there's most things in life I mean except for the past most things you can you can come back from yeah. you can you can like all right I'm out of it or I moved on from this but fame you can never go back. Looking back now as a wise grown-up that you are, <laughs> what advice would you have given younger, working, child star Kiki? Just keep living. And I, my mom used to always say that to me. And I would just be like, what the hell? Like, just keep living, you know? Like, what does that even mean? But, like, I think it really means, like, just keep living. Yeah. And I'll say this to anybody that has dealt with depression or suicidal ideation or just wanting it to be over. It's like, just keep literally and metaphorically living because what ends up happening is motions fade and things change. You know, life is about highs and lows. And when you're the kind of person that really deals with depression and things like that, you really, what happens in those moments is all you can focus on is the low. All you, all your, you know, it's very black and white. It's like, I'm happy or I'm sad. And once you're sad, you can see, like, that's what depression is. It's hopelessness. It's not seeing the end of something. It's not seeing over the edge and knowing that there is going to be a better tomorrow. But what happens when you keep living, when you don't shut the door, when you don't call it quits, is you able to look at your past and say, I know it is going to get better. Right. right now, I'm depressed. This might last a year. This might last 20 minutes. This might last an hour. But guess what? I know from the past that it's going to be okay. Such good advice. Okay. Kiki. Let's discuss relationships. Ooh. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Some things work so well. It's basically magic. Like my favorite highlighters that I'm like, wow, how did you all of a sudden make me look glowing? And you know what else really works, Dottie Gang? 
Shopify. It is a global commerce platform that helps you sell. I've seen a big difference in my online merch sales. They are especially good at turning browsers into buyers. I can see someone that's been on the site but didn't check out or someone that checked out and then is revisiting the site. Like if you want to grow your business, Daddy Gang, sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash unwell, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash unwell. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, Kiki. Let's discuss relationships. You have been open about a codependent relationship you were in. You also wrote about it in your book. Yes. I've actually never really talked about codependent relationships on this podcast. So this is like a great topic to help a lot of like younger women or men listening. How do you define a codependent relationship? Um, It's a relationship where, I mean, there's a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. that you can define it. I think... If I'm just trying to give a stab at it, it's kind of like a relationship, whether it be parent, child, Mm -hmm. uh, lover, or friend, where you kind of need that person or look to that person to provide your own, like, security within yourself. Like Like an independent and a healthy relationship would be you having boundaries and not looking for somebody else to be there, make you feel good about things that you have to make yourself feel good about. It's like you having the ability to kind of do things on your own. Um, You know, and when you're sad, making yourself feel better. When you're mad, calming yourself down. It's like, uh, it's, it's the being codependent or having a codependent relationship is the opposite of you exercising your personal autonomy. <laughs> Like drop. You're I bet like your definition is better than Google's. Like that stop. Was, no, but it was so. That's so because you're you. speaking from experience. And that's exactly, when yeah. It, it hits right. When were you personally in a codependent relationship? Oh, all my life with my mom. Oh, okay. All my life. All my life. All my life. Um, all my life. Been grinding all my life. No I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. All my life with my mom. My mom is like my. You know, I always have to fight the codependency of that relationship. I mean. Because, you know, I leaned on her for everything. You know what I mean? And and it was just like no clear boundaries are set. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's upset, I'm upset. When I'm upset, she's upset. It's like it's too much. Like we're just, you know, and it's literally like that. Like I could get into a fight with somebody and she's calling him crying. And it's like, Sharon, you can't do that. Sharon, they don't no. you don't even know them. You know, she's like, what you did to her. And she's like, and she feels it. It's like yeah. crazy. So yeah, that's my like. I've had other ones, but yeah. I think like that's you know my introduction. I think that's most people's introductions to codependent relationships. It's through their relate like where you learn your first relationships is with your parents, yeah. and mine was a little bit codependent because of just just the way it was. Do you think that you when you got into a romantic codependent relationship, did your codependent relationship with your mother adjust because you were now in one in a romantic relationship? No, I just had two. Oh. 
Yeah, I just had two. I just had two codependent yeah. relationships, you know, and then they, and then they, it's, the danger is in that is also like it's such a hindrance to the intimacy that you can build with the partner because I just go to instead of dealing with us or dealing with me, right. I'm going to my mama. Let me tell you what this motherfucker did. And I'm just doing it again. Got it. You know, I, instead of doing what needs to be done, which is either saying I'm going to set this boundary with you. And I'm going to deal with this on my own. Or I'm going to talk to my therapist. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to come to my own conclusion and understanding. Right. It's like now I'm then asking my mama what to do with you. And I know so many probably like people listening are probably like, am I in a codependent relationship? Like, I what? think a lot of people are. It's, okay. it's, I've, I've, I would guess that most people are. Like at least 50-50. Right. You know, or at least if it's not 50-50 or shit, 100, mm-hmm. then it's like you might dip in and out. Because it's hard like being a, the whole human thing that's the thing like it's hard to do that shit alone like it's, right. it's hard to know the right choices to make and the things to do and it's so much easier like if you just like let go of the will and let somebody else decide for you one thousand <clears> percent specifically for like romantic relationships if someone's listening from your experience what are like warning signs that you can kind of be like you know what i'm i'm catching myself that's indicating you're in an like unhealthy codependent oh, yeah. situation. I think the number one thing for me that lets me know is like if I'm if I'm afraid to go hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm afraid to like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings because, you know, I know they want to spend time with me and you know what, I'm not going to hang. Like so once you start abandoning your own personal desires for the relationship out of like you don't want to hurt their feelings or you're afraid they'll get mad at you or you are already thinking about when you might need them. So you're going to do this to make sure like when you got to do stuff like that, it's like you should feel comfortable in your relationship to be like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Bye. Totally. You know, or I'm going to go do this. Bye. So again, obviously you can continue to work on like your relationship with your mother for the rest of your life. But when it came to romantic relationships, obviously those relationships come to an end. And I can imagine those relationships are really hard to break up with someone, especially when you're in a codependent relationship. Can you explain like, how did you come to realize like, it was time to end it. And like, how did you mentally get there to end a codependent relationship? Mm, That's really hard. It's really hard with that codependent relationship to move on because there's too many intertwinings and everybody is like, so, so upset. It's all a lot of guilt tripping and shit. So good luck. But, um, I think for me, I kind of just like what happens is I haven't been setting many boundaries, Mm -hmm. which is why we're in this position. And so what I do then is set every damn boundary I got. Like, it's like, it's like the boundary wall is like made out of tyranium. I don't even know if tyranium is real. It's like, it's made out of tyranium. We're going to pretend. It's like, it's such a huge boundary wall where it's like, I can't even tell you we're done. Like my boundary is now so high that I don't even have to, I don't even want to tell you that it's over because it's for my personal best interest to not speak to you at all. And so I just literally go cold turkey like that. Wow. Because I remember in your book, you talk about how like you kind of almost knew for a year. and Oh, I- yeah. A lot of mental preparation as well. But I don't know. That's very Virgo of me. A lot of mental preparation. I leave a relationship about six months before I actually speak to, 
Totally. Mm. And that's also such a good, first of all, I would like to say like, I think we need to be easier on ourselves when it comes to getting out of a relationship. If you are in a relationship and you know you want to leave and you're having a trouble, like having a hard time getting out of it for yourself and you're like trying to gain the courage. I think the first step is like, do not beat yourself up. It's so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And like, I think like, especially as women, sometimes we get like really down on ourselves of like, when you look back, you're like, did I stay in that too long? No. Like, don't look at it that way. It's hard to get out of shit. And and it's hard to like mentally wrap your head around how to leave something that like you did love and and maybe you still do have love for. So were you in therapy during that yeah, time? Yeah, so therapy I'm big on. I'm big on therapy. I, I, I always have a therapist Same. at some point, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I was in therapy and the therapist usually will help give you tools, you know what I mean? If you talk to them honestly about what you're going through and really are trying to work through it, then they'll be able to give you some helpful tools. But yeah, I think the mental preparation, like you said, being easier on your yourself and given some mental preparation for what you're about to do is it's important you know nobody just jumps into a backflip or splits they stretch first you know what I mean they do they do right or you're gonna strain your ligaments and it's gonna hurt like a bitch it's gonna really hurt so when I do all that mental preparation it does help for when I do actually make that decision I'm like boom yeah you know and it and it and it it's it seems like cold turkey but it actually has been mentally in my mind and that's how I do anything I that's why I hate when somebody brings up work to me like for the for, for the following day when it's like, by the way, do you want to do this tomorrow? Hell no. I need to pre- mentally prepare. So I think mental preparation in general is like, woo. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's important. So we kind of touched on this earlier and you wrote about it in your book. You've been open about struggling with acne. I have been open about it on my show when I was younger in high school. It was awful and it's really debilitating and you can't explain it unless he just feels so stupid. Uh, like, I hate how... Like, as if it's a personality that. trait. Yeah. Like, as if you want that to be happening. Like, it... Oh, I could just start crying thinking about... Girl, it's the The worst. amount of days of school I skipped, like, faking that I had period cramps. Yep. I wasn't even on my period, and it was, like, fully just because of, like, the breakouts. But you have been open about it, which I really respect. How did you make the decision to just, like, open up and talk about it? Man, because like you said, it's so debilitating that I think I was just looking for a way to like make myself feel like I was like loving myself. You know what I mean? I wanted my wanted to make me feel like you don't have anything to hide from anybody. You know, you're beautiful. You know, so I think that's just really what it was for me was me being like, I'm not going to be ashamed and keep this kind of energy in the dark. You know, I'm not going to feel like I have to like prove anything to anybody I'm gonna you know stand here with my arms stretched wide and be open and be accepting of me let me know that I love me regardless which is hard at times and it is when you experience a breakout how do you combat the insecure feeling the anxiety feeling of going through a breakout man oh I really sometimes just let it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's different vibes, different times. Like sometimes I'll like, you know, you know what? We're going to work on this yeah. and we're going to do a nice little mask and we're going to blah, blah, blah. You know, I try to do a bunch of stuff, turn into a damn esthetician. <laughs> and then other times I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay inside and I'm going to just, you know, really not even just talk to anybody. You're just going to be like, let myself be sad about it. Yeah. Put on a good show. Other times I'm like literally crying in the mirror, looking at myself saying, you're beautiful. I love you. It's okay. You know, you're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. It's going to get better. You know, other times I'm looking online for the nearest doctor, Absolutely. you know, near, I'm going to be 
active about it you know what i mean so it's like there's always a different energy but i think most importantly the thing that's common about all those things is that i do what i need to do in the moment that you know i mean with that i try to be real easy on myself and just let me feel and do what i need to do in that moment because it ain't gonna there's no quick fix for the skin shit there's not it's like y'all motherfuckers done figured out how to make people have huge asses and shit like but not how to fix the acne? Come on. Like, that on. pisses me the hell off. You're right. How we got all this plastic surgery? People can change their eye color. Right. You can get fake-ass teeth. You can't get my skin clear. What the Come hell on. is going on? It's so, like, I remember in high school, I used to, like, coat my face with makeup. And in, and in college, I would play sports. And, like, it's not cool to be, like, wearing makeup when you're playing a sport, <laughs> but I was doing it. All of a sudden, I started just being like the first one in the room to be like, I'm breaking out so bad. So it's like I owned it. Yeah. Instead of like, I know you're all staring. So fuck you. I'm going to own it first. It can't get to me because I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. So it's like a freeing of yourself. Something else that you made me think of, too, was I also believe that there's an element of like spirituality to the skin thing. And like when we talk about all the stuff like me as a kid and everything like that, I feel like. I feel I felt so unseen and I felt like I literally felt feel like everything was covering me up in the same way that I felt about like my skin like it like feel like how I felt inside is how it was like the physical expression was like the acne kind of just like covering me all up and I will say although I'm you know I'm not taking any pills or anything now my skin is definitely getting better I go to see an esthetician I do my routine I do my thing that I can I try to stay away from the foods that I know that trigger me but more importantly I'm doing a lot of personal self-work as it pertains to like owning my boundaries and and saying what it is I want to say and being true to myself and I and I do feel like in a lot of ways that's you know relieving me of my skin problems as well like I think that also was so stressful trying so hard to be everything and holding everything in you know what I mean like that it really physically became like a manifestation as well like I mean that's just my spiritual feelings about it as well as actively doing things to change it but it's like I do feel like there's something to be said about it. This is not a decision you made that you're like, it, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, I think that's beautiful and a great way to look at it as well. Changing your rela- relationship with the acne is a way to also, you know. Yeah, and I so will true. say, we all know we're so much more hyper-focused on it than someone else. It, so it's really all in our head a lot of the time. And not no to one, diminish. And no, but it is. And no one is perfect. Yeah. You yep. know, it's just Straight like, up. fuck it. I, I'm the girl with the skin shit. Fuck it. You're you know what I mean? You're a great fucking person. Yeah, I'm like, a great person. Yes, like it, it doesn't are. define who you are. It, it, can't, it can't at the end yeah. of the day. And by the way, let's be real. Did it stop anybody from liking you when you had the acne? It ain't stopped me. Yeah. So it's like people really don't give a shit. Uh, like, girl, you still going to get laid. Ain't no ain't no dude saying, ah, the one thing she had was a pimple. I mean, he, that fucked. would be nuts. So it ain't, it, don't really, it ain't really stopping nothing, you know? Such a good point. Look at us. We're just empowering over here. Let me check. We're still recording. Oh, my gosh. Thank God. Okay. So let's do some girl talk because my listeners are called the daddy gang and we need help. What's more important to you in a relationship, physical attraction or emotional attraction? I mean, definitely emotional, yeah, emotional attraction. I mean, I definitely want something nice to look at, yeah. but <laughs> it, it, it needs, I need the emotional. Don't you also feel like when you have the emotional, it, 
no matter what makes them more attractive. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like if someone is, you can connect on such a deep level immediately, they become so much more physically attractive, not actually even just their looks like by like your attraction sexually to them. It's like, damn, you're a cool ass human that I connect with. It's true. Okay. Next. If you are best friends with a couple and you know, one of them cheated, would you tell the other partner? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would not do this. No, Mm-mm. I wouldn't do it. Um, I would think long and hard about it. And, you know, if, if, if push came to shove, maybe I would do an anonymous note, anonymous email type thing. I know that's cowardly, but it's like, how am I going to single-handedly be the one who brings it? You know, that I don't want that kind of uh, I get that. Because I think if you're, I think if you're, friends with both of them equally it's like this is a messy situation maybe you could have a conversation with the person like listen obviously I know I'm just wondering if you're like gonna ever share this like because I'm in a weird position but most of the time I feel like whenever someone gets there's a cheating situation to get involved with it is so messy because somehow it always blows back on you and you're like because they're gonna get back together right and And then you're the messy bitch they're Mm -hmm. gonna say caused it Mm -hmm. all they're gonna the person who they cheated with they're not even gonna be in the totally anymore it's gonna be you totally because you told and it's different if it's your like best friend you're like bitch i know he cheated on you exactly different but if it's like a couple that is in your friend group you're like stay out of it it's messy yes i agree with you okay what is worse physical cheating or emotional cheating emotional cheating mm-hmm. for me it's emotional always is yeah the one yeah oh no 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 emotional oh no oh no oh, it's no, so no, sad no, that i'm like oh, <laughs> tiktok yes, you yeah, know, yeah. Oh, no, no, yes. No, no, no you're right it's really disheartening to think about but like i agree with you i think that <laughs> It's just like to conceptualize like a partner that you're so close with, like feeling the need to like emotionally Open up to someone yeah. else. That means that you are emotionally not have not been available enough. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, there's no way not to take that personal. I mean, obviously, physical cheating can be personal as well. Yeah. Oh, you, you know, I feel emotionally not safe in this relationship yeah. or I'm resentful and holding something back. So I cheated or I cheated because I just was weak in that moment. Then, you yeah. know, there's things with the, the physical cheating, there are ways for to not be personal I think as much as I feel like emotional is always personal we're getting all down in the dumps we're like oh my god this is depressing yeah thinking about that it really made me so mad right it's sad what are your thoughts on once a cheater always a cheater I don't think that's true I rebuke that kind of thing in every aspect once this once that you know no 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 Mm -hmm. no 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 Uh, no yeah I think it's just kind of like you cannot hold people in their sin, quote unquote. You cannot hold somebody in their worst moment, you know, or their past or who they used to be. Like, I just think that's so unfair to even put that over people's lives to be like, yeah, once you did that, <laughs> you're done. It's just a very bitter way to look at life. I agree. Uh, you know, I think that kind of phrase or that kind of thinking, it, it, that then is applied across the board. And what you're essentially saying is you don't believe that anyone can change. And I do believe people could change. I agree. To with you. sometimes my detriment. So, <laughs> okay. Can a friend date your ex under any circumstances? <laughs> now you know the answer to that. Girl. Kiki's staring at me like, why are you even asking? You know this? that one. Have- that is a hell no across the board. It's so sad to me. Like, I have a lot of women that will write in being like, my one of my like really good friends is dating one of my exes that like I used to be in love with in college. Burn and it feels the bitch right. on fire. Literally, it's like, what the fuck? I'm like, that's also just like 
friend code of like, then that's not really your friend, I feel like. There are millions of men in the world. I know women are more. There are more women, but it's like, God <laughs> damn. a lot of men. Right. It's like, come on. You didn't have to pick this guy. Yeah. It's like, so you was waiting on him to become single? Was you waiting on the timeline of, oh, you have five years so he can be dateable to you? Yeah. Like, there's so many other guys. I agree. Like, if someone's listening and you were struggling with that, like, I've had women write in being like, is it unreasonable for me to get upset? The answer is no. And I think, if anything, it just gives you an indicator of what that friendship is. Yeah, and, and to the people that thinking, well, me and him just click. And it's just like, you know, I deserve to be happy too. It's like, bitch, no. you could be happy with anybody. Stop playing and stop lying. Because everybody always say that then they break up with the dude two years later or a year yeah. later or five months later. And it's like you fucked up your friend and your relationship over this dude that you didn't even really continue with. So it's like, just stop lying to yourself. He's not the one. I agree. You know he's not the one. You're looking for a moment and it's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. How early on in a relationship, if ever, do you talk about whether or not you want kids in the future? Oh, I'll talk about it quick. I mean, I feel like also, like, I'm 28, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm not getting any younger, and my thinking is kind of like, I don't really want to waste my time with somebody if totally. they're not even you know, on the same page with me as far as something like that goes. I agree with you. I think obviously it can go, you can go about it. Like I could see sometimes people could go about it the wrong way of like, so how many kids do you want? Like, well, I want them soon. <laughs> it, the delivery is a little aggressive and like pressureful, but I think you can also like own it like that. You're, it's your decision. Yeah, yeah. I want this many kids. Like, do you want kids? Yeah. Like, I chill. Don't, yeah. I think it, yeah, it's not it's like, it's so funny to me how some people can't be chill yes. and they are like that, but it's like, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it, but you, how you just did it is exactly how it should be done like like um yeah so you know like I was talking to my sister like I know one thing's for sure like I definitely want kids she yeah. has the best kids ever like just breeze into it yeah like a <laughs> chill convo like, don't go about it too aggressively because it can really scare him and like maybe you're not trying to come across that way but like check yourself before you bring it up okay Kiki have you ever gone through a partner's phone Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> We're not proud. I hate, I hate when people are like, I would never, like, I've never done that. Shut I'm up. Like, Shut the fuck up. Shut up. You are not human. <laughs> yeah, literally. Okay, you probably the one that needs your phone yeah. going through. Talking about you ain't never been through nobody's phone. So, have, what, did you find <sighs> shit when you did? Uh, yeah, I've been mm -hmm. in situations where I found stuff, and there's been situations where I was, I sleuthed day and night and found nothing. <sighs> Man. That's the worst. That's and the then, worst. You feel like shit. You're like, damn. And then you almost like can't stop because you're like, well, eventually I will find something. So you just like keep digging and it's like, sweetie, stop. You need to stop. And then there's the moments where you sweetie, open it. Take your hand and off his face trying to get the damn face <laughs> thing to come up. <laughs> it's like, do not have him do facial recognition at night. Like just go to bed. Go to bed. Because every time you've looked since, nothing's there. Yeah. But I've actually had a relationship where I was like, I have this feeling. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, pull out your phone. Show it to me. And it was like kind of a moment where I was like, I could do this while he's asleep because <laughs> I can do that. But I'm going to just actually ask him to pull yeah. pull it out and not his penis, his phone. Right, right. That was funny. And, right. And then he pulled it out and it was right there. Everything I thought. So like, trust your gut. Girl, wait gut. a minute, wait a minute. He really did. He, so he listened to you when you, when you uh -huh. I did that one time too. Like, let me see your phone type vibe. And the guy, first of all, he was like six, eight or six, nine yeah. or some weird shit. Some and he's, shit. he's like, he's like, you want to see my phone? You want to see my phone? And like reached his arm back like this. I'm like, how the hell I'm see your phone from over there? You got a wind span of like, <gasps> yeah, what? Your wingspan like is like above his head. Yeah. You're like, so that was that seven feet. 
feet. Right, like, how like, the what? hell am I going to see? And, like, at that point, I'm like, motherfucker. Fuck the phone. Yeah, like, fuck. you're, you think I'm stupid. Like, right. why would this be the, what I would go for? Okay. Do you have any advice for people listening on how to get over getting cheated on? Mm-hmm. Do I have any advice? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm here for you. Yeah, I think after something like that, I think it immediately attacks your self-esteem and, like, your mm-hmm. confidence. So I think my thing, my thought would be to, like, try to get back into, like, doing things that make you feel really good about yourself. You know, really really just pour into yourself at that moment in time um, to rebuild whatever has been fractured because of that kind of betrayal. Like, really go out with your girlfriends. You know, get yeah. ready for a little trip. Go on a trip. Do, you know, maybe if you don't want to do treat yourself that way, then just do a whole week of pampering. You know, get your hair done. Get yeah. your nails done. You know, get you a massage. You know, or, you know what I mean? Like, I just, like... Whatever it is for you, that self-love and that self-treating, you need to maybe just spend time doing that to really try to remind yourself uh, that you love you and to just help you get through feeling just that betrayal. Take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Love it. Okay, only a couple more. Can exes be friends? I mean, I think they can be. I think they can be, but no ex wants to be friends with me. You know, because <laughs> that no, it's like all of a sudden it got personal. I'm like, I wanted to be friends, but they never want to be my friend. I Why do you think that? So I don't think it's personal. Actually, I think it's just just that. Well, you know what? Let me let me put it like this. So I think that most of my exes don't want to be friends with me because they feel like they don't like that I'm like okay with being a friend. I think it's kind of like, it's like a, a weird feeling of like, they almost feel like they're being patronized uh-huh. by the fact that I'm being their friend. Like, it doesn't so feel like point. it's a genuine friendship. Like, they just feel like I'm trying to be their friend to show them that I'm good without them. And they're right. <laughs> but that's besides. It. Absolutely right. <laughs> and you've got it figured out. <laughs> but besides that petty ass point, I've had a, a guy want to be, an ex want to be friends with me. And I didn't want to be friends with him. And I didn't because I was in a relationship. So sometimes people feel like it's inappropriate, you know what I mean, to be cool with your exes after yeah. that your friend, you know what I mean, whatever. Or, you know, so it's like I get it sometimes. It, you know, it doesn't I'm, It doesn't happen to me all the time. Like maybe in the beginning of our breakup, I don't want to be friends with everybody. But eventually yeah. I'm like, we cool, you know. Yeah, and I also think like it's good to specify of like what friends means because I do think it's like, yeah, maybe it's a little strange if after a breakup you guys are texting all the fucking time and still FaceTiming. It's like set boundaries for yourself because you need to move on and take care of yourself. You broke up for a reason and you're going to have no opportunity to find someone new if you're still like hooked on that past. Yep. We're best friends. Like, we're no no there's no need to be besties with your ex uh-uh. you no. they've been inside that. of them or you've been inside of that there's yeah, just no exactly we it's don't, like no 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 we don't oh, need no. that okay kiki what is your ideal first date oh yeah i'm very like throwback very casual or very eccentric so it's like i would either like love to go like to like a museum or like a pop-up shop. Like I think that kind of stuff is fun, like an experiential totally. type of date. I yes. think that's kind of fun. But then also I like to just do regular, like something very like classic, like going to the drive-in, I, you know, yes. something like this. Something chill. Because mm-hmm. you also want to gauge like 
I feel like you can keep conversation with anyone. Nothing. Okay. And I feel if, the same about you. Yeah. yeah. But if you have that, if you're able to know what is your vibe, maybe if you know you're awkward on first dates, maybe you go on more of an experience so that you have like something to talk about. If exactly. You, if you're a talker, then you could go for a more chill, like drive in and just like chill and hang. And ride so, up. We talk, talk, talk. And when we're watching a movie, watching a movie. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Speaking of movies, <sighs> as we wrap up, Daddy Gang. Kiki is going to be in a huge movie this summer, okay? This summer, you're starring in Jordan Peele's next movie. He directed Get Out. He directed Us. And the name of the movie is Nope. Yes. I am so excited. I looked at the trailer. There's already 22 million views on the trailer itself. I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. I want to ask, what is it like working with Jordan Peele, who is doing some of the most groundbreaking work in the industry right now man i really love jordan peele working with him is the best experience of my life thus far like he's such a a smart down-to-earth you know genuine creative with the with the true love for characters and a true respect for filmmaking and screenwriting and I think when it comes to being black and representation, a lot of times, you know, the expectation and obviously specifically because of him and also I think because people sometimes don't know any other way to do it. Like, for instance, with Get Out, they expect that because black people are the lead that it it ends it's it in some way is the gag of the whole storyline. Like the the reason why they're black is because they're black. It's like always some it's like always a gag to it. Um and with Get Out, obviously he did that in a very genius way. Um but then when it comes to us, like us was about capitalism and classism. Like it was they they, they happened to be black, but it that was not what it was about. Yeah. You know, and I feel like uh just the way that he's continues to represent in that kind of way where it's like there's no think piece to the the black piece right (laughs) they're just black but this is the story like I really love and appreciate him for that because I think you know that's 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 really what representation is whether it's being you know black people or women or you know the gag can't always be guess what she's got a vagina right like it's gotta you know what I mean right so I love that he that he's doing that you know and continuing to push the envelope as it pertains to like black people is just some people you know what I mean and this is just a movie and this is who he chose as the actor (laughs) for this part this person's in this role and this is the movie I'm so excited but I'm gonna be honest with you I am a fucking little wimp and I always (laughs) want to watch scary movies and I'm like I'm gonna cry when you're filming a horror movie does it ever go to the point where you actually get scared when you're filming yeah I mean it can happen but it doesn't happen like I'm really scared it happens like in the moment of the performance like it's just like if you're crying or in a movie if you're hyperventilating eventually you could pass out it's just because like literally our bodies our breath is that like our breathing has that much control over like how we feel and how we respond. So it's like, unfortunately that is the kind of dangerous part of acting. You know, when you're driving your car, you're wasting gas regardless. Whether you're going a long way or a short way, it's like the gas is still wasted. It's still being used. That's the same way that emotions are. Like even though you're acting and they're not real, like your emotions are still going through that. Like you're still going through the pain and the exhaustion and the worry and the fear. And so after a while, my brow's being furrowed long enough and I'm breathing in and out real fast and looking around side to side, shit, I am going to be scared. I'm like, shit, am I scared? When you're filming these type of movies, do you have like weird ass dreams and like nightmares or no? No, I just be stressed. Got it. 
I'm just stressed. I would be so stressed. Yeah, yeah, I'm stressed more than anything. It's like no nightmares. It's like can I get to sleep? Got it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm just so stressed about making sure like did I, did, you know, was I, did I give the best performance I need yep. to give? And oh, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen tomorrow? And then for me, I think this is a good thing. But like in most of my productions, once a director pushes the envelope with me and they see that I deliver, oh lord, I don't fuck myself. I might get ten more lines the next day, or I might end up getting a whole new scene. The director. <laughs> First wanted you in one scene, now you're in every scene. You're like, and I'm like, like, and you're like, that's such a compliment, obviously, it's but such I get a it. You're like, but it's like that. So then I really get on edge. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh Here shit, now he sees that I'm willing to go there, and it's like another crying scene. Another, t- guess what? She's gonna jump off a bridge this time. You're like, like, no. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, so wow. then I get really like, just like, I have a lot of anxiety about totally. it. Totally, really, it really is a high pressure job. I know it doesn't like everybody just imagines as an actor, you just sitting on set and going to crafty. Yep, but it, it's not like it really like. Acting can really put a number on you. Yeah, I can only imagine emotionally. Like when I watch especially horror films, I'm like, I cannot. I'm scared sitting here being completely horizontal, laying in my bed watching. I can't imagine being on set doing it. So I have I have so much respect for you. Everyone listening, please mark your calendar. It's coming out July 22nd. I'm so excited to see it. Also, Kiki, just congratulations like overall on your success. You're like such an inspiring human to be around. You have such an amazing energy being oh in gosh, person you with too. you. It's really crazy. Like knowing you on screen when I was younger and being like, wow, like she's so cool on screen, like getting to know you in person. I'm I wish fine. you the best. I really do. Thank you so You're much. So what cool. sign are you? I'm a Leo. Mar- uh, August or August. Oh my God. What are you? I'm, I'm uh Virgo, August 26th. Oh my God, so we're kind of close. We're kind of close. Look at us. Kiki, thank you for coming on Call Her Daddy. Thanks, girl. Call me anytime. Woo! Bro, that was so cool. Really good. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want zero dollar delivery fees? Try DashPass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today.